You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Thursday edition of the show. Hope you all are doing fantastic wherever you might be. Plenty to get to ahead on today's episode of Locked on Cougars. We'll continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Looking back at 1953, we will also continue to look at what's going on with the BYU football program looking ahead to this coming fall. At least one national publication really believes in BYU carrying on the momentum from 2020. And of course, we will continue our off-season interview series, what we're calling these. Uh, chat with Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock from Give Him Hell, Bring Him the Podcast. More of our conversation with them ahead on today's show as well. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car, truck, or SUV could ever need. Check them out online at rockauto.com once again. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Thursday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 27th, 2021. is up everybody i'm jay catch your host here on locked on cougars your resident byu insider and welcome on in to your daily podcast focused on all things byu a big thank you once again for joining us plenty to get to ahead on today's show but a quick reminder right off the top of the show that listening to this podcast is really simple to do of course we encourage you guys to hit that follow button whichever podcast provider you happen to be listening to us on but in addition to that listening to the show is as simple as using your voice and what i mean is all of you have a smart device by and large, whether it's a smart speaker, your smartphone, all you need to do to listen to the podcast is tell it, play the Locked on Cougars podcast or play podcast Locked on Cougars. And just like magic, we'll be right there for you guys, right in your ears, talking all things BYU. So once again, a big thank you for your support. A lot to get to ahead on today's show. So let's start off with some good news if you're a BYU football fan. And that is the Pro Football Focus is a big time believer in the BYU football program. They put out their 130 rankings, the top 130 teams in college football, the FBS rankings, 1 through 130. And BYU, stunningly enough, ranked in the top 25, according to PFF, checking in at number 22. This is what Pro Football Focus had to say about the Cougars, saying, quote, After losing the second-best quarterback in college football, not many expect the Cougars to live up to a top 25 ranking. Still, they have playmakers at skill positions and could be returning one of the best offensive lines in the country. Baylor Romney settling into a quarterback-friendly system could allow BYU to surprise again in 2021. Unquote. Okay, I will quibble with the Baylor Romney thought because it is my opinion and it's not just my opinion, it's things that have been told, is that Jaron Hall is the odds-on favorite to be BYU starting quarterback September 4th against Arizona. Maybe some breaking news to some of you, but I've been pretty consistent about that throughout the offseason going back to the end of last season. But Jaron Hall is the odds-on guy at quarterback, but they're not wrong about everything else, though. Playmakers of skill positions. You think about it, the running back position group has both of its leading guys coming back, Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa, guys like Hinkley Ropati are expected to step in, Jackson and McChesney could be a guy who could be a factor at running back. Wide receiving core, yeah, Dax Milne exit. 
exits, excuse me, and then all of a sudden Puka Nakua and Samson Nakua show up to bolster what is already a pretty strong unit with a guy like Gunnar Romney. You have other guys on that roster who I really like, Neil Pau and the tight end position. Isaac Rex was a freshman All-American candidate, in my opinion, had a monster, monster freshman campaign and is expected to do even more this year. There's a lot of other good tight ends on that roster. Bentley Hanshaw, uh, Dallin Holker coming home off of a mission. Carter Wheat is more than capable. I really, really like the skill position talent. If you get a steady quarterback, you're really, really going to be very good. The offensive line position group, it's very good, I think, in the front five, the starting five for that offensive line. The depth is my question about the offensive line here for BYU. We'll see what happens with the offensive line, but at least through the first five, the starting five offensive linemen should be very, very strong. And I'm looking forward to this upcoming year. The quarterback position question will obviously be the biggest one, but Pro Football Focus really uh, believes in the Cougars, and that's actually very encouraging. Funny enough, Utah, who, of course, BYU fans and Utah fans, always going to have that conversation. Utah checks in at number 26, four spots behind BYU, the other in-state school, Utah State, all the way down at 120th out of 130 teams. So we'll see. I... I've said it before, I'll say it again on this podcast, I really think BYU has a chance to really impress folks this year. May it not be a top 10, excuse me, not top 10, a 10-win season is what I'm trying to say. It may not be a double-digit win season, but I'm telling you, if BYU was 9-3 and three against this year's slate of games, 7 Power 5 opponents and the like, it's just as impressive in my mind as compared to what they did a year ago when they didn't face a single Power 5 team and go 11-1. and one. So... I really, really respect the fact that pro football focus is stepping out on a limb because let's be honest, when this hit social media, man, there were a lot of critics saying, oh, that's funny. We'll see how it goes. And it's actually continued. There's a lot of Utah fans still talking trash and Obviously, that's to be expected. But Arizona State, who BYU will face, is at number 33 at home. It'll be their third opponent of the year. So there's some pretty good teams on here. The Trojans at number 16. Uh, speaking of USC, uh, BYU does not play them until the regular season finale. And it'll be interesting to see what shakes out. And uh, football schedules, FB schedules online actually did a, a piece recently about the worst uh, bye weeks four college football programs this year, and they added a BYU to this list as the off too late. They say BYU will play in 10 straight games before finally getting week 11 off. It's a run that begins with consecutive dates with Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State, wraps with Boise, Baylor, Washington State, and Virginia before getting FCS, Idaho State in week 10. All that remains for the Cougars after their late break is roadies at Georgia Southern and USC. So it's they're not wrong. I think that, that bye does come very, very late, especially after having played that many power five teams before you get that bye week. But the good news is I truly believe in BYU. They get steady quarterback play, which I think they will find somebody out of the three guys competing. Speaking of Jacob Conover, Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney, and they're off to the races once again. I man, folks, I'm getting excited for this year. I hope you guys are excited as well. And we're going to talk with two guys who I think have a very good opinion of what's going to happen with BYU, both in the near-term future and on into the longer-term future. And that is Jeff Hansen and Garrett McClintock from Give Him Help, Brigham the Podcast. I'm going to play another clip from our hour-long conversation earlier this week coming up next. Yesterday, we played a clip talking about what their reflections were of 2020. Well, now we're going to talk about recruiting, investment in the program, 
We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing prices of parts for vehicles and ever-increasing number of models of vehicles, it's impossible for anybody to stock all of the parts for every vehicle. Well, guess what? rockauto.com is your best resource for that. They have hundreds of manufacturers for all the different types, makes, and models of vehicles, and they want to help you guys out by giving them to you at reasonable prices. That's what we love. Why would you choose to spend up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? So check them out. Go to rockauto.com now, guys. You can search for your vehicle, make, model, year, all that stuff, and see all the parts available for that vehicle. No matter what you need, a new fuel pump, a new rear view mirror, new carpeting, I don't know, a new window. They've got it all for you guys at rockauto.com. You can search by price. You can search by manufacturer. It's really, really simple and intuitive to use. Give them a shot, guys. Go to rockauto.com right now and check it out. While you're there, please write locked on or locked on Cougars in the How Did You Hear About Us box so we get some credit for sending you guys over to check out their fine website. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, continuing on now with Garrett McClintock and Jeff Hans from Give Em Hell Brigham, the podcast. Had an hour-long conversation with them. We're going to play another clip from it today. We will release this entire podcast in its entirety later on. I think we'll probably do it early next week, maybe. Let you guys hear the full conversation and all of its context. But this clip you're going to hear was a conversation that we had about the investment in the program. And Garrett had a very interesting thought right off the top that you'll hear here about what you think... what he thinks is coming down the pipe for BYU football in terms of the overall uh, support from the university, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, for the BYU athletic department, the football program in particular. So here you go, a conversation about recruiting, investment in the program, and even some missionary work that could help BYU out. Here you go. I do think that investment is coming. You know, and it's, I think, I think people, you know, a lot more people on board and I think a lot of it is just a culture shift, right? Like there's, I think a lot of people don't realize just how bad the talent situation in the program was uh, when Kalani Satake took over. And yes, that 2016 team had a lot of upperclassmen who are very good. And then, but then that second year, there was nobody there and then kind of had to go out and sign a truckload of guys to try to fill gaps. Then you, I mean, if you look at that 2018 season, I don't know how you can look and say, Oh yes, Bronco left a very stable, you know, solid, you know, full pipeline of players when, you know, in that 2018 season, at one point we were 11 out of 11 starters on offense were underclassmen. So it's like, that's, that's never a situation you want to be in. And so now we're finally to the point where, you know, getting the depth in there and like, you know, the stars be damned or all of that. It's like, you look and we have guys across positions, right? Like guys like Chris Wilcox, who were purely brought in on measurables with the goal of developing them. And then were turned into an NFL draft pick with their time in the program, you know, and that is a huge thing to be able to see, to start moving forward and getting that talent. So I think the program has more depth than it has had at any time in the independent era. I think top to bottom, this team has more talent. And obviously if, if Zach Wilson was on this team, this year's team would be hands down better than last year. And obviously replacing him is a huge task, but at the other 
21 positions on the field, there's more talent than the program has had since, you know, probably 2007 when you had Maxwell Dennis, Pitta, Harvey Unga, and Austin Colley all on the same team. Um, and I, and I don't think it's really close in terms of the independence era in terms of that talent across the board. And so I think it's finally something well, as well as getting into um, you know, getting over those growing pains of Kalani, that Kalani Satake has had as a head coach and kind of working within a program that has had limited resources like BYU. Because, I mean, even except for his time at, like, where was he, at Eastern Arizona Junior College, hey. right? like everywhere else he's been. Because he's been ben Criddle there, so don't, 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 don't be denigrating East EAC. <laughs> right, but it's like he, other than that, it's like, you know, if at Utah, you know, I mean, we all know how well-funded their program is, and it's like if, you know, Kyle Whittingham walks in and says, hey, we need this, then they get it, mm-hmm. right? And if it's, you know, in, in the same thing at Oregon State, he was never in a situation where he's had as many constraints as he had, uh, you know, stepping in in Provo. And I think there was definitely a learning curve, not only to both being a head coach, but also to working within the confines of a program like BYU. Jeff, you look at things from a very unique lens, in my opinion, when it comes to BYU, because you're so engrossed in the recruiting aspect of this. You're talking to these guys who end up playing for BYU, and you've talked to them for literally years before they show up on campus. In some cases, maybe as many as five years, maybe even longer than that, before they show up on campus in Provo. So I'm asking you this question as in regards to what Garrett just talked about with the talent base, it, and I, I agree with him. I think it's deeper than it ever has been, especially in the independent era under Kalani Satake. What is your assessment of how he's gone about building this program? Because it's been built largely on two and three star talent that they really have taken a kind of, in my opinion, kind of a long view game on it where they're saying, okay, come in here, we're going to develop you, and you're going to become that four or five star guy. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably fair to say. I I don't know if this is a unique perspective or not, but I think this is the correct perspective uh, that, that they came in and it's always a chicken and the egg argument, right? Like you've got to recruit in order to, to, to win games and you've got to win games in order to recruit. So BYU had to start somewhere. So they go and they find the athletes, they find players that have, you know, one certain set of skills or one certain physical attribute that they can turn into, you know, with coaching and development that they think they can turn into something. Chris Wilcox is the the great example. Yeah. Now BYU has done that though. They just had a great year on the field. They just had a great year in the NFL draft. It's time for BYU to take it to the next level. Because as great as the stories are, Chris Wilcox, phenomenal story, right? Brady Christensen and Bronco signed Brady, but same idea, two-star, nobody, you know, nobody was after him. Now he's in the NFL. Great story. There's so many. I mean, we're talking 25, 30, maybe upwards of 40 guys that fit that Chris Wilcox quote-unquote mold that flopped. Yeah. Like, why is BYU in a scholarship crunch right now? Because they're holding on to scholarships that they took a gamble on and it didn't pan out. Yep. And now BYU can't go and recruit guys who probably would come to BYU and would, you know, they're a a low to mid three star at this point. So they would be elevating that talent pool. They don't have the scholarship capital to go out and get those guys. I am in no way critiquing what they did. I think that's what they had to do because they weren't winning games enough to recruit at a high level. So they go in, they prove that they can develop. But now BYU has been nationally relevant, nationally ranked for an entire season. They've had a double-digit season. They had a bunch of guys in the NFL. They have the pitch now that they have to up their recruiting effort. 
because if they continue to try and recruit the same way they did when they were, you know, the class of 2017, it's going to get ugly. And I think it's going to get ugly fast because as much as BYU fans don't like to say this, the schedule sucked and that played a role in winning 11 games last year. Right. (laughs) I mean, it just did. That's just the fact of the matter. So I'm really curious to see what BYU does this year. They've got a really small class coming, you know, 10 to 15 guys. I think that the talent on the roster is there, right? The talent is, is there today to compete in 2021. A lot of people I think are underrating BYU because of Zach Wilson's departure, but in 2022, I don't know, right? 2023, there's not a ton there. They have got to recruit well now. And to me, that's the biggest story of what BYU does now, right? What is, and you could even make the same argument of what they do on the field, not just in recruiting, but now they've been a winner. You know, they were trying to build a program. Okay, the program's built now. So now what the hell are you going to do with it? You've got a program that's in a great, great spot. What do you do from here? And we don't talk about that. We haven't been able to talk about that as a BYU fan for, you know, 25 years. I mean, it's been a long time, right? So now what? And uh, I'm fascinated to see where BYU goes. You look at Utah, that was what they did, right? They Mm -hmm. cracked into the Pac-12, and it was about build, 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 get to a certain level that they'd never been on. And then it was about reinventing themselves and reinventing. uh, They they brought in different offenses, and they went through some offensive coordinators, but they brought in finally an offense that works. Now they're changing the recruiting strategy and really attacking the transfer portal to try to get some of these four- and five-star guys who have flopped out at other schools for whatever reason. And they are actively changing their approach because getting to where their goals were 10 years ago, that's not enough for today. And now BYU has finally reached their goals. They, they reached their goals last year, but that isn't going to fly anymore. Now you've set an expectation. Where do you go from here? I, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Okay, so the question there then for me, and Gary, you can weigh in on this as well, is how much can BYU actually upgrade the recruiting in reality, if that makes sense? Can they go out and expect to sign five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten four-star guys in any given year? What is where? What is the realistic expectation that they can boost the recruiting? If I think this really ultimately goes back to church headquarters in Salt Lake and how many missionaries are we willing to allocate to key areas of the United States to really home in on target (laughs) demographics that will improve the underlying athletic ability because it's just in an era where recruiting is so national. Like if you look at the old rosters from the eighties, like, our entire wide receiver core can't be graduates of Orm and Provo high school anymore. Although the best wide receiver recruit in school history just came in and he went to Orm high school. So <laughs> I guess that's different. Also Orm has also changed their recruiting game as of late. Um, but you know what I mean? They, and so I really, I mean, I think it, really has to just be a carving out the niche, right? Like it has to be a very, both in getting players and in coaches, you know, has to be the niche of, you know, with coaches, do you have to be willing to be the stepping stone? Because a lot of coaches, even if you are okay with the, you know, you're okay with the honor code and things personally, you may not want to have to deal with that as players and kind of take that role as well. And so being okay to being a stepping stone of guys are going to come in, they're going to move out, but then you have a couple guys that are kind of that transition. And then the same thing with players of like, you know, finding the, 
Chris Wilcoxes and the Malik Moores and the Isaiah Harans and all those things of these guys that have the talent, but they're maybe from a smaller school or they're under recruited and really saying like, we're not going to expect you to come in and play right away. Some of the guys you will, some of the guys are going to be projects. And if you are a project that doesn't work out, then you probably will be asked to move on two or three years in. And that's kind of that revolving door in that way. And that's just going to be how it has to be. And that has to kind of be the niche to work around um, the honor code and the academic limitations of BYU and kind of find that way in the similar vein to what Bill Snyder did with JC players at Kansas state of that was his edge and kind of, okay, we will hone in on this and this is what's going to make us different. And we can find enough guys to compete if we go about it this way. And then there will be years when the stars align. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, you know, how, how many five-star guys is BYU going to get? I don't know that that number is going to change, but in the class of 2021, there were eight guys that were signed that their only offer was from BYU. Like gotcha. that, that's what has to change. You've got to find guys that are being competed for guys who have options and, and take some risks. That means, you know, maybe you don't take, and with all due respect to John Nelson, I hope he's great this year. Maybe you don't take a super early commitment from a guy like John Nelson out of Salem Hills. That doesn't mean you don't take him. You recruit him still, and, but you try to go and find somebody else, right? You try to recruit over him. And if the time comes that you can't get somebody else, then you take John Nelson in January, but you don't take him in August or September. He's going to have to start doing some of that. And that comes with risk. It comes with a lot of, uh, of calculation and being really careful with how your, your strategy goes. But uh, that's, I think, what BYU's got to do. There you go. Jeff Hansen, who you just heard, as well as Garrett McClintock from Give Him Help, Bring Him the Podcast. Make sure to check out their fine work. They do a great job, and I can't thank them enough for taking an hour of their time to join me on this show. We'll continue to play clips from our conversation. Like I said, as soon as we're done uh, using the different clips that we use throughout this podcast, we will release the entire podcast so you guys can hear it, get their thoughts in the entirety, so that way it's not split up over multiple days. You can hear it all in one show. So we'll get to that. But a big thank you to them. I think some very good points made there about recruiting, investing in BYU football coming off that big year last year in 2020. And I got to say, I really agree pretty much wholeheartedly with what Jeff and Garrett had to say there. And we'll have to wait and see. I know the, the missionary part was pretty funny. Let's go recruit certain parts of the country and certain, you know, body types or gene pools that could benefit BYU football. Well, hey, it's a thought, but a big thank you to both those guys for joining us. We'll continue to have more from them in coming shows. All right, coming up here in just a moment, though, we will wrap up the show looking back at 1953 for the BYU football program as part of our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Also, some updates on BYU track and field of the NCAA West preliminaries. People trying to make it to the NCAA championships. We'll get to all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by you guys know them, you love them. Bet online as they are the fastest and the easiest way, folks, to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, the NBA playoffs ongoing, the Utah Jazz, a lot going on in the sports world, golf, UFC, NHL playoffs. No matter what your interest is, Bet Online has it for you guys. All the news, odds, everything you need. So check them out. You can go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Search out BetOnline.ag and check out all the great sporting news, the different offers they have up, contest information, 
all of that fun stuff. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for and also make their runs through the playoffs. Hopefully a deep one for the Utah Jazz. That's just me being selfish. But head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today for free and make sure you also get your 50% welcome bonus that is available to you with your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Yes, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 50% of whatever you deposit for the first time added into your account. It is free money and it's all courtesy of betonline.ag as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, friends, before we go here on a Thursday, I want to say best of luck and congratulations to the BYU track and field athletes who are competing at the NCAA West preliminaries. 69 student athletes from both the men's and women's track and field teams, the most in the entire country, are participating in those this week. It started yesterday. A lot of people uh, obviously making their way through the qualifying to the finals. The preliminaries are taking place in College Station, Texas. I know that West and College Station, Texas. Don't necessarily go together, but taking place nonetheless. This will continue all the way through Saturday. Best of luck to all the Cougars who are in attendance and also participating in those preliminaries. This is the proving ground for those who are going to compete for national titles. BYU's got two nationally ranked teams. I believe the men's team is number five in the country. The women's team ranked, I think, 16th in the country. They're expected to make some noise in the national scene this year in track and field. And it's the last official sporting event of this spring season for BYU. It's been a very busy spring, but it is coming to a quick close. The NCAA championships are next week. Uh, Those will be taking place out in Eugene, Oregon at Hayward Field, the famed Hayward Field. Uh, Steve Prefontaine complex up there. Looking forward to that. That'll be taking place June 9th through the 12th. Actually, sorry, two weeks out, excuse me. So my apologies on the mistake there. All right, one other thing before we go here. We do need to continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Today we are looking at 1953 for the BYU football program. Now, 1953, if we're being frank, was not a great year for BYU football. Overall record of 2-7-1. They go 1-5-1 in the conference, tied for dead last with Denver in the conference. And Denver had the overall better record, so BYU technically was the last place team. And BYU started out the year in typical fashion, pretty decently. They uh, took on Montana in their home opener on September 19th, beat the Grizzlies 27-13, then lost to San Jose State 28-25 in a heartbreaker. They traveled to New Mexico to start off October on the 3rd, tied that game 12-12, and then hosted the Idaho Vandals, no, excuse me, faced the Idaho Vandals in Boise. So actually technically a neutral site game, I guess, because Idaho's based in Moscow, Idaho. They beat the Vandals 20-14. to So at that juncture, four games in, BYU sitting at 2-1-1, and then the wheels came off. October 16th in Provo, BYU loses to Utah State 14-7. to They go to Denver, get handled by the Pioneers 27-19, which obviously gives Denver the head-to-head advantage and the tiebreaker, so BYU officially in last place at the end of this year. Then they go to Wyoming on October 31st, Halloween, get smoked 
27-0, get shut out up there on the high plains, come home to face Colorado A&M, a.k.a. Colorado State, lose that game 34-12, travel to Arizona State, get beat by the Sun Devils 26-18, and then Thanksgiving weekend, one of the biggest games that we've talked about to this point for one particular reason when BYU took on Utah at the end of the year, it was because NBC, yes, Big NBC picked 13 games in 1953 to uh, put on TV, and the annual rivalry game between Utah and BYU was picked up for that weekend. And what a game it was. The final score, Utah 33, BYU 32. BYU had a chance to tie this game late after a touchdown, and uh, they missed the PAT. The the snap came in high. LeVon Satterfield, the quarterback for BYU, who also doubled as the holder on PATs, mishandled the snap, picked it up and tried to scramble to get it across the goal line and was tackled, and BYU loses yet another heartbreaker to Utah. 28 times to this point BYU and Utah had played. BYU still stuck on just that one win. There are four ties in that time, but just another heartbreak. You think back, we've been talking about these different seasons of BYU history. Think of all these close calls that BYU has had, and it kind of parallels the modern day if we're being honest with ourselves. Nine straight losses to Utah currently for the Cougars, and many of them have been very, very close. Chances for BYU had a player or two gone their way. They might have won those games. Well, 1953, just kind of a microcosm of that because BYU had Utah and a chance to beat the conference champions, by the way. Utah did win the Skyline Conference that year. They're a very good team. 8-2 and two overall record. They were a perfect 5-0 and oh in the Skyline Conference that season. And BYU gave them everything they could handle. The unfortunate part was BYU was never able to take the lead in that game. They were looking for that tie and that mishandled snap on the PAT, the extra point attempt dooms them to a 33-32 loss and sinks them to that 2-7-1 record. The good news coming out of this was that BYU had two all-timers on this team, two guys who would be synonymous with BYU football. We've talked about, I think, their impacts on the program on the past in this podcast. In the past on this podcast. Wow, what an awful sentence that was just right there. My syntax was all over the place. My apologies on that. But two of the greatest uh, players from this team are two names I think many of you will remember. One of them, Dick Felt, uh, a guy who played for BYU from 1952 to 1955. He ended up being a 1977 BYU Football Hall of Fame inductee. I was an All-State player out there at Lehigh High School then came to BYU. was an all-conference later on in his career. We'll talk about that in coming podcasts when we talk about 1954-1955. One of his teammates on this team is one of the other all-time legends, also a 1977 BYU Hall of Fame inductee, Marion Probert. We've talked about Dr. Probert in the past. His number, number 81, is completely retired at BYU. It's the only number that is truly, quote-unquote, retired. I know that BYU discourages other numbers from being worn, but they are not retired like they are from Marion Probert. He was tragically killed in an airplane crash in 1965. He was uh, the first four year letterman, led the conference for BYU during his junior season that we'll talk about tomorrow. Just an, a standout player for BYU. A guy who was, a, in that day and age, he was a blue chip recruit. Recruited by everybody on the West Coast. He's from Hawthorne, California. Went to Eaglewood High School, USC, UCLA. The big dogs all wanted Marion Probert. Came to BYU. Was just an 
absolute sensation. Ultimately decided that pro football was not going to be uh, his path. Went to medical school, ended up becoming a very successful and famous doctor here locally in Utah. And like I said, tragically passed in an airplane accident on his way to a game for BYU when they were playing, uh, supposed to play at New Mexico. The plane crashed near the point of the mountain. He was tragically killed in that plane crash. And as a result, that number 81 that he wore during his time at BYU playing both offense and defense, mainly offense. He was a receiver for the Cougars. It's retired. It will never be worn, and it hasn't been worn since it was retired. So two of the all-time legends playing for BYU despite the lackluster campaign in 1953. But we'll talk about 1954 tomorrow when Dr. Probert, Marion Probert, had probably his best season statistically for the Cougars. So that's coming up on tomorrow's podcast. We'll also have more on whatever's happening in BYU sports. Oh, it's also a Fan Friday tomorrow, so stay tuned for that as well. Having a lot of fun on this podcast. Of course, the downtime this off-season period, a lot of people think we don't have much to talk about. There's still plenty to talk about, folks. Make sure you join us every single day. A big thank you once again for joining us. Have a great day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast from May 27th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys manana.